Welcome to the Shallow Dive on Koheles, the book of Ecclesiastes. Join us as we explore the treasures gathered by King Solomon. I hope you enjoy it. Pek Yud, Pasek Yud Ches, chapter 10, verse 18. Batsal Taim Yimach Hamekare. In slothfulness, there will be an impoverishment of the roof or support. And in the lowliness of the hands, there will be a leakiness in the house. So the Targum explains, Bechaloshus Esak Oraisa, in the weakening of the toil of divine enlightenment of the Torah, this metaphor of slothfulness of the support, of the, the roofing, so if somebody does not engage with strength, in the toil of Torah, which is a, an appropriate contrast with the previous verse of Chizkiyahu, who was a gibar takif b'oraisa. He was a valiant, strong warrior, as it were, in his pursuit of learning the Torah and applying the Torah. The Torah is not a spectator sport. It is meant to be applied. So somebody is weakening in that regard. Ufikudaya mismaskin givar mibinyan and the mitzvos. So the toil of Torah and mitzvos are interrelated because the learning of the divine will gives us access to understanding the commands. If a person doesn't know the divine will, one will be lost when it comes to the parameters of what is imperative from the divine perspective. So if, if a person doesn't learn the Torah and apply the mitzvot, a man will be impoverished from construction from an edifice, binyan, from being built up. The metaphor of building is associated with those that toil in the Torah. Bonim, that is a form of construction, not in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense. And a weakening from Torah and mitzvot will lead to this impoverishment for the person, he will not have the edifice, the structure that really is his birthright. And with the weakening of her obligation, her command, that a woman is commanded concerning. Lamenta min richuk soavus. 
to distant to, to uh, protect and guard from the distance of impurity, dima, of blood, below natra, and she did not guard. Misavda davsa vigobesa. She will cause suffering and weakening within her house. So he's working on this repetition. The verse does seem to present a pair. The slothfulness of that, that causes a, a weakening, a disrepair of the roof, and then a lowliness, a, a lack of proper action of the hands, which symbolize action. So focusing more on the mitzvah aspect, that's the way Targum is dividing up the first part of the verse and the second. The first part is more oriented towards the building, which is uh, predicated on the toil in Torah, which is the man's obligation, generally speaking, and the mitzvot. Of course, Torah is not in a vacuum, but it's the entire edifice. But then you have the woman's area of command, and the wisdom of a woman builds up her house. But to the contrary, if she is derelict, in preserving the purity of the home, she'll introduce suffering into her household. So that, that is a joint obligation and responsibility for a husband and wife for making a home and to function together in tandem. And the Emphasis on oraisa, esek oraisa, the toiling in the Torah, in this divine enlightenment, is the province of the man, typically. The woman needs to know the Torah as a practical matter, but not for, is not obligated in the learning of Torah herself. But the consequences are certainly no less dire if she neglects to guard against impurity, there will be consequences for the household. It will be very destructive. So it needs to be teamwork, it needs to be concerted joint effort, synergy between husband and wife in order to prevent the disrepair of the house and the leaking and general misery that would ensue from a house in disrepair on the most basic level. Of course, Targum is taking us to the parable, from the parable to a deeper idea on a spiritual level that the successful maintenance, building and maintenance of a home requires a husband and wife to be working together on the same page. And the laziness or slothfulness on either party will be harmful for the felicity of the home. Let's see Rashi. Ba'at saltaim. 
Yimach Hamikare, Kisha Adam Misatzel, when a person is lazy, Veno Misakin Pirza, Ktana, and does not patch up and repair a small break. Shibitikras Abais, somebody has the beams of a home, and there's a small need of repair. If the laziness holds a person back from fixing it and repairing it when it's a small issue, imach hamekaret, yashmal abinyan, mekaret sabayis, masachecholav, the structure of the house will be undermined, the supporting beam upon which the house is structured will be lowered, weakened, and it can be disastrous. Maintenance of the home is important. Somebody sees a problem that is not addressed, it can lead from a small problem to fester and become a serious problem. Yidlov, itaftev, delav kishamim. means they pitter-patter, dripping from the rain. Kiloma, kishisrom, it's atzlim. When the Jewish people are lazy, batara, in the Torah, himnimokim, they waste away. Ubeis geon uzam charav umach. And the house of their strength and glory is destroyed and brought down, crushed, brought down low. The destruction of the temple. It didn't happen in one day. It wasn't a glorious temple one day and then suddenly it was in flames. There's a process. Like Rashi explained in the parable, there was a little problem, but that led to a structural problem of rot when it was not addressed. What is the needed maintenance? The needed maintenance is Torah. If Jewish people are lazy and do not apply themselves in Torah, the result will be the destruction of the temple, which is the focal point of divine presence resting resting among the Jewish people. So much of the Torah revolves around the temple service, the pilgrimage, the destruction of the temple is a really big deal. But it started out with a small amount of disrepair that festered. The Torah is the maintenance that we need in order to properly do teshuva. If somebody doesn't know sharply and precisely what's right and what's wrong, then there will be a blur on how to restore oneself properly to God. So the small problem becomes a big problem as the society, the individual, drifts away 
from that toil in the Torah, the deep pursuit of understanding the divine wisdom. What does God want? What is God's will? If that does not take a primary role in a person's life, then the small deviations that are inevitable, human beings make mistakes, can fester and go from being perhaps a, a small blemish that one is mildly embarrassed about to becoming tolerated to becoming celebrated. I'm sure we can imagine in our own society seeing such a progression in various arenas where being untethered from the need to pursue divine wisdom. What does God want? What is God's will? If that is not a serious imperative for the society, then the drift will become appalling and lead to destruction. So the Torah is really the, the needed maintenance to stay tethered, not just for any individual issue, which of course, as one assimilates the divine will accurately, it's not merely, like I said, it's not a spectator sport. It's not something that, well, this is what God wants and this is what I want. If it's actual Torah learning, it is for application. It has to be lumud amnas lasos to learn for the purpose of implementing, either to do something or not to do something, but it is meant to be incorporated into one's life. Not just any individual point of minutia of, of Jewish law, but fundamentally, the engagement in this pursuit of divine wisdom keeps a per person tethered to that goal, not losing sight of that goal that is the most precious thing in the world, to be connected to God. So that is the maintenance necessary. And when people make mistakes, if they have the clarity of Torah, they can easily do teshuva. You can return to God from something when you know you made a mistake. If you're not sure you made a mistake and you become habitualized in what something that, like I said before, originally maybe elicited a native sense of aversion, embarrassment, whatever it might be, can progress and become accepted, celebrated, totally far afield from the divine will in more and more destructive ways. Let's take a look at the Mitsudas. Batsaltaim Imach Hamikara Bavuryadaim Atsaltaim on account of lazy hands Nasa Tikrasabai Smachvedal The crossbeam of the house will become low and weak. Ratsalomar Shemiskalkel Hatikra the roof will become rotted out. Imbail of Misatham Taknabholates unless the owners repair it. If the owners are lazy and don't maintain it. Here the Mitsudas adds Bicholes all the time. There's regular maintenance. Regular maintenance is necessary. If there's no regular maintenance, one can expect the consequence of disrepair 
to set in and continue, it's important to have maintenance. And the laziness, obviously, is a an allure. You just say, hey, what's the big deal? Why should I take care of this? Why, why do today what I could put off till tomorrow? Right? What's the big deal? Well, there is not a big deal right now in front of you. It's not an emergency right now. But the consequences of this pattern of laziness are disastrous. Looking down the road, Chacham is a wise person. Ain't of Barosha's eyes are in his head. He looks ahead. He says, this pattern of inactivity, of not being proactive in maintenance, be it physical or spiritual, is disastrous. It's going to lead to serious problems down the road. Masudas is saying it's Bechol Ace, all the time. One has to maintain the integrity of their structure, physically, spiritually, regularly, Bechol Ace. Because he is lowering his hands down below, and he does not lift up his hands, to use them to fix the roof. By keeping his hands low, down below, not up, fixing the roof, so there will be consequences. You're going to have the leaking from the rains into the house. This is a repetition. It's a couplet. It's essentially conveying the same idea, just with a, a slight modification. As we saw in Targum, there is an element here of synergy between husband and wife in a home, in the construction of a home, physically and spiritually, uh, it's not merely a couplet for poetic effect, but there's a specific import between the, the first part of the verse and the second that work together. Let's take a look at the Ibn Ezra. That's all time. And slothfulness. Yadua. It is known, Kiko Mila Shihi Al Shnaim, Hishnaim, Kimo Inaim, Raglaim, Yadaim, Shukaim, Shinaim. The pairs are structured in that way. When you have two things working together, so you have such a structure which this word fits into it, Batsal Time. A whole slew of words. Bain, Sod, Agil Golim, Yaduakain, Chain, Pamaim, Gamaim, Beishlo Sod, Sosum, Vechosum. It's not just a quirk of grammar in the Hebrew language, but this does reveal inner working, a secret that is sealed over and hidden which the Nitziv speaks about, who in turn is elaborating on the Ramban, Nachmanides, in the beginning of Bereshis, that the watermark, if you will, the, the authenticity of created 
is that there is a duality within creation. You do have the positive and negative charge, if you will, male and female. You have a duality within creation, not to imply, God forbid, anything within divinity that is differentiated. God is one and entirely so in a uniqueness that transcends the limits of human capacity to comprehend. But we live in a binary creaturely existence where we are as creatures, as being created, naturally inclined as the, the authenticity, the hallmark of creation towards a built-in need for another component. We are not entirely independent. We are created. So this built-in feature of positive, negative, male, female, this duality is reflected in these pairs, as it were. But these pairs work together. They do function in a concerted manner, and they are composites. They, they, that is elemental to being part of creation. So the, the utilization of this word, with slothful ones of a pair, is going on a, although it didn't come up in the verse yet, the, in a few more words, it says, of the hands, of a pair of hands. The slothfulness is afflicting both hands, as it were. Uloshing tsara is a, an expression in brevity. Vamikare v'mokomazeh shem v'yish omrim shupoel How to understand mikare? The crossbeam of the roof. Is it describing the noun of the crossbeam or is it describing the act of being the support, the supporting structure, you know, the, the element that supports, or is it talking about the structure itself? That the support through the laziness of the hands, will yield a construct that is weak, lowly, in disrepair. It's an interesting idea that you might have thought it's passive, it's laziness, and therefore it's, it's not really attributable to the hands. He's saying that, well, the, the hands being lazy is actually the cause of this disrepair, the cause of this structure that is, instead of being strong and properly supportive, 
is, is sagging and, and leaking, that is a direct result of the lazy hands. He disagrees with that being the simple interpretation. Seems like he prefers understanding it as Amikara as the noun, as opposed to the description of the structure uh, of the uh, of what it does of how it functions. And in the lowliness of the hands, it's a description of poverty and lack. If the hands are lowly, meaning impoverished and not engaged in, in richness, in, in productive and constructive activity. Yidlov will drip. Miloshan delef tered. Binyano hatipos hayardos. The idea described here of what will drip are the drops that come down. This verse is succeeding the previous verse. Kiilo yomar al osa melech. As if to describe, well, really, two verses prior, the king and his princes that are so busy with their consumption, with their fressing, eating, and a laziness concerning the matters of the kingdom, just an abnegation of responsibility. They will have to deal with the consequences of their laziness. The first is that there will be decay within the kingdom. Just like a home that is not properly maintained, slowly but surely it will become a home that is in disrepair, the kingdom, if it is not maintained, will also disintegrate. And the support, the cross beams of this home, will also weaken and fall into a state of dilapidation. But the second matter is, they will not be on the lookout for an enrichment. There will be a lack of attention to the economic needs of the country. Fascinating idea. Whether there should be stimulus or tightening. Literally, Ratzar is a tightening. As needed with the times. And this is a weakening of the hands. The hands are the implements of action in the context of the government that is meant to ensure to the best ability that they have the enrichment and security of its populace. 
So they need to be on top of the economic cycles. And if they're too busy with pursuing their own personal enjoyments, they're not going to have their eyes on the state of affairs of the country. Things will start to fall apart. And economically, they won't know where things should be addressed, whether to be more accommodative or to be more restrictive in terms of economic policy for the betterment of the kingdom, of the society. So there's a matter of, here the, the Ibn Ezra is, is picking on two aspects. One is just a, a simple maintenance. The other is, if somebody is doing their job in this regard, in terms of governance, so this mandate of ensuring the best economic welfare of its constituents, of the country's constituents, that will only be achievable if those in power are actually committed to seeking that out, to really understand where they are in the cycle and what is needed to help people, whether it be creating a more accommodative or a more restrictive situation, what is actually for the best health of the country, that cannot be achieved with the weakening of the hands. It's a job that requires full involvement. Let's see this far now. And I have said that for the proper maintenance of the country, it's Torah Gvura Vizrizos. There's a need for strength and alacrity. Ki omnom yikra bezek lemikra esabais. The way of the kingdom is expressed in a small scale on a home. Shiomach bishpo that it can become dilapidated and lowly, weakened. Mecheskas amnoso, it's all time. If it is not maintained with appropriate craftsmanship through laziness, Shnei two forms of laziness, Shehem atzalos hamevi es ha'etzim, v'matzal mevion, v'atzalos there are two elements of laziness, he's saying, this far now. One needs to bring the appropriate, appropriate materials for the maintenance of the home. And then one needs to properly install them, assemble them, construct them. There are two elements here of the hands. One is the bringing of the raw materials. And the other is assembling and installing and actually constructing what is necessary for the appropriate maintenance. This idea is two elements. Shnei mini atzlos fits in with what we saw in the Ibn Ezra, atzaltayim, that it is a pair. The hands of action are working, if they are lazy, in a... Vicious circle. He won't have the materials needed if he doesn't bring them, and he certainly won't be able to engage in the appropriate repairs 
for maintenance. And this cycle or lack thereof of, of just not engaging productively in the realm of, of action of this maintenance will lead to the house just continuing its disrepair, getting worse, and so to the country. Within the, the framework of, of a country and, and the maintenance of the society, sometimes there needs to be the, the realm of the hands, action, bringing in materials, and there needs to be assembly, there needs to be construction, there needs to be development. So, to enrich the country and promote the prosperity of the nation, one has to be looking at the talents that are necessary towards that goal and to cultivate them. So that requires bringing things in, deploying things in the, in the right way, fostering good policy that, that will lead to those results. That, that is all the opposite of atal time, the shiflus yudayim, the various levels of, of laziness where nothing is being dealt with properly and there's, there's no attention being paid from the management of the kingdom towards cultivating, well, bringing in, deploying what is necessary to promote the welfare of the nation and cultivating the, the raw talents and goods towards that same goal. It doesn't mean that there's literally zero happening, but if it's in laziness, if things are done half-hearted, so there's going to be a weakening from what could have been. You're not going to have all the materials necessary for the repair of the house, and the house is not going to be properly repaired. It's, it's going to just be done in a lazy way. You're going to have a, a result that is middling at best. Yidlof habayis. Yikrish yidlof habayis ve'yiplu. Besocho megshomen. You're going to have dripping in the house and rainwater inside. Unless the crossbeam and the roofing material is done in a complete way, in a proper manner, the drip is going to be destructive to the interior of the home. So doing less than 100% when we talk about a roof is not just... 99% good in terms of result. Hey, you know, it's most of the job is there. Well, that's not actually what the result is going to be. The result is going to be misery for the people in the house that are dealing with the drips, even if 99% is good. There needs to be a shlemus. There needs to be the opposite of laziness. There needs to be the commitment to completion to make sure that there's a good, solid roof. Then you're going to have a dry home, and the, the roof overhead that people speak about. It's, it's not commensurate, hey, if I do 99%, it'll be 99% good. That's not the way it works. To, to be successful, 
requires the full commitment and the laziness is really the enemy that will yield these inferior results. Let's see this halumas chachma. On account of laziness, as one applies themselves to Torah and mitzvahs, to divine wisdom and engagement, to fulfill His will, the Holy One, blessed be He, is as it were weakened. Not that He's weak. Obviously God is the opposite of weak. But the way he will be perceived is weak. Because his ability to save you, to be a source of salvation in a time of need, as it were, but in a more generic sense, to be the benefactor that he wants to be. The divine will is to be the ultimate benefactor. The entire creation is his gift to us. But if we subvert his will, if we ignore his will, so he is weakened, as it were, from that purpose. We, as the saying goes, you can lead the horse to water, you can't make a drink. So God is looking to give us, to be that benefactor, to be that savior. But if we are lazy, then his ability to give is weakened. We, if we are not making ourselves the vessels to receive his blessing, so it's not due to any lack on his part, but it will be perceived as a weakening on his part because we are not the vessels that he would want us to be to receive that blessing if we don't make ourselves those vessels. This is a description of poverty, weakening of the hands, Moshe Kosov, Eben Ezra, like the Eben Ezra wrote, Kodem Shalom Dutera, Rak Shahaya Ba'atzlus Nase, Rak Moch, Shashpia Rak Ma'at. Before a person has learned Torah, if he was engaged in a lazy manner and impoverished, so it has only had a minimal impact on him. This state of disrepair, this lack of maintenance that is a process, starts off in a small manner with minimal impact, but as the impoverishment continues and the people become totally bereft of Torah, have no knowledge of Torah, that's when you're going to see the house start to experience serious problems. It's going to have holes in the roof. It's not going to be a pleasant experience to be in the house. And ultimately, as we saw in Rashi, the destruction of the temple will be the consequence of sin. And sin is a consequence of not having the Torah and not doing Teshuvah. So that is the dangerous, slippery slope of impoverishment, the laziness and impoverishment of the Torah. The Torah is the ultimate wealth. 
But by drifting away from it, becoming in total poverty, the the home will be lost, destroyed. He quoted the Gemara in Tainus, it's a similar Gemara in Megillah that picks up this point. And Dafir Aleph quotes this verse. Batzaltai Mimach Hamikare Vishiflus Yodaim Yidloth Habais Bishvil Atzlus Shahailam Yisrael on account of the laziness of the Jewish people, Shlo Askubatara, that they did not toil in the Torah. Nasis Sono Shalkarjbarchumach. This is a euphemism. Literally, the enemy of the Holy One, blessed be he, became weak. But it's euphemism because it's, as it were, imputing weakness to the Holy One, blessed be he himself. Meaning, from our perception, it would appear as though he were weak. It's describing a state of poverty. As though God were poor and incapable. Shanamar. Who is the ultimate roof, crossbeam, support? Is the Holy One, blessed be He? Shnema, as the verse states, We do have this parable of this support of the house being described as the Holy One, Blessed Be He. The weakening of that is a result not of any imperfection, God forbid, or weakness in, in God. There's no such thing. But on our own part, if we weaken ourselves from the Torah, that is what we can anticipate, that we will be exposed to an experience, a false experience, as though God were impoverished, or incapable, like this support of the house that is in disrepair, we have to do our part to maintain that structure, to ensure the integrity of the house. We need to make ourselves worthy of God bestowing us with the gifts He wants to give us. Let's take a look at the Medrash. Since the Jewish nation was lazy, here's a good type of laziness. We were lazy at the foot of Mount Sinai and we didn't fight. Can you imagine Jewish people not fighting? We were lazy that time. It was a good laziness. Remarkable. The benefit of maintaining peace, even if it's just a peace that is born out of convenience, laziness as it were, that is still a tremendous blessing. The fact that we did not argue amongst ourselves, bickering at the foot of Mount Sinai. This was a tremendous source of blessing. 
Even though it was not out of a, a sense of greatness, but it was as it were, not, not for its own sake, not seeking out peace. But there's a, a certain sense of being overwhelmed, perhaps, that took away the factionalized tendency among the Jewish people. Also, the clouds gave forth water. There's a, a sense of blessing. That's the way it's being interpreted here. Perhaps this is reminiscent of the sukkah. The sukkah is specifically a, a for a kosher sukkah. It has to be that the rain can come in. There's a certain element of of humility and recognizing our dependence on God. That is a a benefit, if you will. Here, the the peace that we were not fighting, that was coming from laziness, if you will, not not, not from a a pursuit of peace, but nonetheless, it did give us a cohesiveness to be as one entity, that made us the appropriate receptacle for this divine blessing of the Torah. We have Gemara and Zvachim along those lines. Dav Kufta Zayin Amad Aleph. Reb Lozor Amadai Omer, Matan Torah, Shoma Ubo. Yisro heard about the giving of the Torah and came to join. Shekishinitna Torah Yisro, when the Jewish people were given the Torah, Haikola Holok Masof Alamat Sofa. It was a tremendous sound from one of the, of the earth to the other. Clearly something momentous was taking place. And all of the kings among the nations were seized with terror in their palaces. And they sang praise. And they gathered by Bilam, the prophet, who gets a title, The Wicked. They said to him, What is this great tumult that we heard, this tremendous, awesome sound? Is there a deluge coming to the world? He said, No, it's not another flood, another deluge. God swore he's not going to do that again. Maybe he's not going to bring destruction through water, but maybe through fire. He already swore he will not destroy all flesh. It's not just a special protection against a flood. It's a covenant. God will not destroy all flesh. Okay, 
Fine, so you got us. What is going on? Bilam, the wicked, told the kings of the nations, there is a good treasure that he has in his treasury. That was maintained by God for 974 generations before the creation of the world. And he seeks to give it to his children. Shnamar, as the verse states, Adonai Ozlamoyitain, the verse says that God is giving strength to his nation. And the verse concludes, well, we had and all these nations, the kings of the nations, said, God should bless his nation with peace. The conclusion of that verse. So we do see this association between the giving of the Torah, which is described as strength and peace, the blessing of peace. That this strength, this was a, an overwhelming overture, the revelation of God at Mount Sinai to the Jewish people, which was meant to be given to humanity, the elements that are for all of humanity. But it was an overwhelming experience, and that strength was what brought about this peace among the nation. It was not an intrinsic drive towards peace, which of course would be a beautiful thing, wonderful thing, but it was the blessing that came about from God giving this strength to the nation, the strength of his will. It's a very powerful experience, and it helps bring the various factions together to, to be able to get past a parochial sense and to create a unified national sense that is fostered by the O's, the Amoitin, the strength that is given by God. There, there's a, a mission that is given to the Jewish people as a nation that binds us together and that was the the peace that we were as one by the giving of the Torah that is how we received due to the, the strength we were able to receive this peace that was a blessing the Medrash says because the Jewish people were lazy from returning to God in the days of Jeremiah, impending destruction of the temple, as we saw Rashi and others, the temple was destroyed. It was exile. That God caused, commanded this destruction of the great home, the, the great temple. And a small temple 
will be broken into shards, cracks. This description of destruction is not identical. Various forms of destruction. Destruction that is entirely eliminated and a destruction that has a remnant. So the Bekiya, which is the small house, has a remnant. It's not entirely destroyed. Although the big temple was destroyed, we have Mikdash Ma'at, we have the remnant of Divine Presence among us, and it was not entirely destroyed on the smaller scale. Lots of time, in slothfulness, the roof, the crossbeam will sag. Rabbi Cohen was describing this as referring to a woman, as we saw in Targum. If a woman is not meticulous, so we find that the Impurity can become dava is a source of weakening. A ziva, a zava. There's a zavaktana, zavagdola. That the lack of being meticulous can lead to a more severe state of impurity. Shnema dava vinidasa. shiftless, so there can be a transgression, a, a progression from this slothfulness, this laziness that leads to. Uh, a more severe form of impurity. By not being meticulous, so she can become a zava, which at the ultimate stage, zavagdola, requires a sacrifice to reinstate purity for the ability to partake of sacrificial meat. That requires the highest level of purity. And although the original impurity was minor, the progression can become more severe. Zavagdola requires a sacrifice to reinstate purity.